Carnivorous couch, shit happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch with Brady and Rob. Everybody make the sound of a garage door closing. Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody, and welcome to another <laughs> episode of Carnivorous Couch. That was our acapella uh, garage door choir once again. Uh, this time not because the garage door is broken, but because it's freaking freezing outside and I've done my best to heat this garage so that we're not freezing. And I don't want to let all the air out. So, anyway, um, we have with us this week, as per usual, me, Rob, because uh, I do all the shit for this podcast, and then we also have Brady Larson. That's right. And uh, we have specialist guest Tessa Cox. Woo, that was hot on the mic. That was loud. Uh, well, I'm right <laughs> where you told me to be. I didn't even scooch closer. No, I mean... <laughs> You're actually the same volume as everybody else. It's just that it comes out a lot more piercing because of your voice. You were the one that sound tested me, my friend. I'm just saying your voice is shrieky. Well, I think your mom is shrieky. We also have John Paul Price, St. John Paul of Wait, I thought I, we were going to leave me as the anonymous <laughs> coward here. <laughs> nope, not doing it. Oh, well. We have a dog, too, because we hear that the demographics love dogs. Yeah, Pip's also here, but we're going to kick him out as soon as he makes a single sound. I'll pinch him. Or a sickle cell. Don't pinch him. Uh, so anyway, this week we did Blade Runner. Yay. Uh, the first half of which I was totally distracted by JP's kids and our dog and the way they were interacting together. But uh, I, I got tell this... you a whole lot about kids. For the first half, and then a whole lot about Blade Runner for the second <laughs> half. Yeah, but I uh, I did get a lot <laughs> the second half, so I kind of understand what's up now. So that's a good thing. Uh, at any rate, brrrr. Sorry, <laughs> 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 I would just look. <laughs> Here, are you just like twiddling your lips and looking at the sound lines? <laughs> that is, is exactly what I'm doing. Editing while it's he just, is, is doing this a this? podcast about the movie, or are it, we will, it, will the, uh, it will eventually be. But that is a on this very, graph very good question, JP. Very good question. <laughs> but uh, before we get to that, JP, do, do you think Rob has a nice voice? Yeah, sure. And JP, <laughs> do you think that just to jump into this, you could do a plot synopsis? No. Well, that's film. what I was going to ask you to do. Yeah, actually, you yeah, you do a, a plot. You synopsis. would be the one. JP, um, I really think that you know more about this movie than any of us. So, if if you would tell us what this movie is, all you have to do is go scene by scene, like what yeah. what's going on. Like we open it, with let, what? Let's pretend that there's no microphones and you're just trying to sell us. What's this movie about? Don't watch it unless you're trying to go to sleep. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, I guess you did put this on to like put you to sleep for most of our living together down at Dwight Street and all that, blah, blah, blah. It, it's great. It starts out with uh, a cut of uh, Los Angeles, and there's 
flames shooting up in the sky, and it's wicked cool, and there's cars flying around, and it zooms in closer and closer in this giant pyramid building, and then cut into this room, right, where there's two people sitting there, and one of them's smoking a lot of cigarettes, and there's a lot of smoke in the air, and you can see a fan spinning around, and the light's making a cool, like, You're really selling me on wanting to smoke a cigarette right now. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Can we smoke cigarettes in this garage? Well, no, if we we'll, open we'll the door. Take a break. <laughs> and oh, then it right. will be freezing. All right. My mom um, listens to this, you guys. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> no, the only person to listen to this is our audience, who's named Ben. No, my mom has listened to this, and she told me that the theme song got stuck in her head, and she thought it was really silly. Anyway, go ahead. Both those things are true. Um, so he's uh, the the guy that's smoking the cigarette is a, a detective called a Blade Runner. He's trying to see if the other dude is a, a replicant or not. Replicants are biogenetically engineered androids, for a lack of a better word. Mm. What? No, I'm just agreeing. And uh, um, <laughs> you know, they're pretty much human clones that have been supercharged and given a four-year lifespan and they're not allowed on earth uh so he's uh they uh tried to break into this large corporation called tyrell which engineers all of the clones and uh two of them get zapped to begin with and then they're going through all of the employees and checking all of the new employees to see if they're uh androids trying to infiltrate the corporation and um, he starts the the uh, the interview, asks him a bunch of questions about turtles and tortoises and deserts and things, and gets himself shot because he pressed a hot button topic about his mother. Um, Scene which changed my life. I want to add. Changed your life, yeah, and you do don't don't ask people about their mothers until well, you're, that, you're on a more just the, the whole scene but until you're sure. sure they're not a murderous machine <laughs> exactly amazing uh, scene though really really good and then it uh, cuts to Harrison Ford you know waiting for some noodles he's trying to explain to the the uh, the restaurant the the waiter that he wants two two four and noodles whatever that is and uh, Edward James almost hits him on the back of on his back with a, a cane, and, and uh, he has this bizarre uh, change in his uh, the, the the emotions that are on screen. I, th- I think we need to say that Edward James almost is a young, thin Edward James almost <laughs> with like a goatee. He's, he's I, not I like also want to say that JP like it he looks a lot like an anime scientist. You're doing this in the kind of way where someone who knows every line in the movie is describing the movie, but if maybe Mm-mm. you could be a little less specific and just get down to the Oh, I'm sure lines. he will after he gets past the first two scenes. They are pretty intense. <coughs> yeah, I fall asleep after that. Yeah, exactly. Sure, we used to sure, watch sure, it sure, in sure. Uh, So then they, uh, they, he, Decker has apparently tried to quit the uh, job of being a Blade Runner, which, as I mentioned before, the people that go and try to kill the androids that come off the He's trying to quit the job of killing skin jobs. Ah. Okay. Wait, you haven't watched (laughs) Battlestar Galactica? Where where were you getting on the skin job trip? They're called skin jobs. They're called skin jobs. Oh, okay. 
I think they're also I called think, that in Battlestar Galactica. Wow. I think in Battlestar Galactica is just like a continuation of the Blade Runner universe. Wow. Oh, you know the right off-world Well, con- now I want to watch that. No, you don't. It has oh. a terrible ending for everybody becomes. Well, maybe you want to watch the original. I'll just watch The Office. Uh. Well, I thought the original uh, wasn't even supposed to be anything special, but that the new one injected some uh, much-needed life into it. So uh, he, much uh, like anything. Office or Blade Runner? No, Either. Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh. Sherlock. <laughs> anyway, go on, JP. Sorry. Where was I? Oh, yeah. He's dragged into the office. He's given the job of killing the four skin jobs that are remaining. Six. Six. Four, four no, are remaining. Two were fried. Were... There were six, oh, but okay. there are now four. Um, and he's set to the task of uh, tracking them down and eliminating them. And... Uh, it's uh, not. He doesn't really have a choice. Uh, the cops pretty much threaten him with, uh, I don't know, some uh, unmentioned. Uh, they're, they're basically like either you're a cop or well, you're like one of those people who gets taken advantage by cops. Mm-hmm. So like you're either gonna be fucked with by us or you're gonna do what we want you to do. Yep. Because he's a one man slaughterhouse. That guy. Indeed, and the the rest of his, the movie is him tracking down the replicants one by one and or them tracking him down and uh, trying to eliminate them and that's that and for the most part he does but he also well um of the four remaining replicants one of them is the tyrell uh like that rachel chick who's a replicant but she doesn't know she's a replicant she she ends up becoming the fifth that he's supposed to be going okay Yeah, and they add. So there are seven total. Two got fried. He kills one. Uh, She like splits the Tyrell Corporation after he explains to her that she's a replicant, right? Yeah, she 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 gets out of there. Yeah, and then so now he's supposed to kill her, but he never kills her, right? Right. I think in the book he like runs off with her too. Like they. Well, that seems to be what's happening at the end of the movie. Actually, in the in the theatrical cut, the the there is a a long ending sequence where Mm -hmm. he's got this voiceover narration going, and you see him in the the car with her, and uh, they're driving off. Okay, so we're led to believe that they run off together at the end, and he kills everybody but her. Well, actually, the last guy. Right. Oh, this is a spoiler full podcast, so we can tell everybody whatever the fuck we want. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Blade Runner and you don't want it spoiled for you, who hasn't seen? It's Blade fucking Blade. thirty years old. So um, I'm sorry, book. we spoil things for you after thirty years. Hey, man, the person listening could be ten. Then it's not their fault they didn't see a thirty-year-old right. movie. Well, I, then I shit gets <laughs> spoiled for them. You're gonna have to deal with new stuff. And what little kid is listening to this? Yeah, it's listed as explicit on iTunes. So heavily too. Titty 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 fuck fuck. (laughs) Hey there, Pompey. Are you a little child? Well, if so, this podcast is for you. This is why I wanted all those candy sponsors. Like just loving you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This dog is like, here you go. Anyway, oh, but JP, (laughs) tell us about Roy Betty. He's played by Rucker Hauer in the movie. Uh, He's a uh, He's kind of a Superman character, almost messianic, and there's a lot of uh, Christ-like imagery that uh, is attached to the character. At one point, he he makes a cross out of the blood of um, his uh, girlfriend, which Deckard killed, and uh, 
he also sticks a nail through his hand to uh, counteract the effects of the accelerated decrepitude. Was that the same character that had the, um, he had blood on his lips and then blood like that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's the blood crust. He had, yeah, he had blood, yeah, okay, all right. I just wanted to be sure we were well, on I mean, the same page. I mean, he basically yeah, drives... By the way, I'm describing um, he had blood on his lips like lipstick and then blood like um, from the top of his nose down to his chin, so it made like a cross with his lips. Yeah, and, and one of the ending describing. scenes. Also some other uh, other things, the, uh, the dove that the dove, flies yeah. off. Yeah. Is so yeah. He jumps off the building and then the dove flies... To heaven, or something. No, he he <laughs> he dies. He jump off the building. He doesn't jump off the building. He, he dies, and then the the dove mm-hmm. that he had the in his hand he flies had a, off. And oh, he okay. had a dove in his hand. He has a dove in his hand, he, like, and he dies. It. And then, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, his soul goes to heaven. <laughs> I, I, well, sorry, <laughs> Rob maybe? is very specific we, about we, these. We things. can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> One would assume maybe all doves go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but, by the way, Batty is one of the replicants. Yes, All I mean he, he's heaven. well. He's one of the replicants, and he basically drives the final act of the film, which is um, he wants to live longer than four years because all replicants live how long? JP, four years. They live four years. I actually years. want to point this out here is when w- so when he's doing the countdown. Maybe I should save this for later. But when he's doing his countdown to like chase after Deckard, he stops very specifically at four for a very very long time. Then he gets to like you know six seven. And then, you know, has a little monologue about that. But for a very, very long time, he stops at four. And it's very, very pointed that he stops there. Okay. Well, anyway, continuing with the relative plot well, synopsis parts. Because he only lives Because I think we years. just need a little bit more oh. plot synopsis. Yeah, I think we... a, a passive-aggressive way of pointing to, you know, what would you think if uh, numbers didn't accelerate past this The point? other reason that I thought that he stopped at four is because um, just before that, he breaks two of his fingers and we all have five he breaks two of like Deckard's a, fingers yeah two of Deckard's fingers um and like this that would be this, three this left. symbol the, there's a very like symbolic thing about five for human beings which is that we have you know a head two arms two legs we have five fingers and to stop at four is very inhuman like there's this inhuman quality to not quite getting to five and I thought that was really, really interesting that he just sort of stops and pauses there for a very long time. Mm. And then when right. he finally, like, continues to count, he gets to seven, which is, you know, six is, like, six, six, six. Like, there's the devil, and then there's seven, 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 which is heaven, and he just kind of stops counting after that. Interesting. So, there's uh, my point. That's the only point that I have. But anyway, <laughs> continuing with the plot synopsis, the final act of the film is driven by... Uh, this character who was named Roy Batty. Roy Batty, and he, is that the actor or the character? No, Rutger Hauer's the actor. Roy okay. Batty's the character. <laughs> okay, I'm confused by these people. They're all confusing. <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> They're from the '80s. I'm confused. Um, no, okay. So Roy Batty is a replicant. He's basically like the final boss that Decker has to deal with if you want to take this on a very superficial thing. But he's also the, the Christ-like figure if you want to take it on a, on a symbolic thing. And the, he drives the third act of the film. He basically goes back to the Tyrell Corporation, tracks down with his girlfriend, uh, the, um, the dude who's capable of... Uh, does he make the eyes? No, no. They find the, the guy who makes the eyes first, but then they find the guy who makes... Uh, like brains, right? Designs mm-hmm. brains? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
he didn't design their brains. And he goes, oh, well, I didn't design your brains. I designed some brains, but you have way <laughs> more advanced brains than the brains that I designed. Mm-hmm. We need to go to Tyrell for that. And then they go to Tyrell. Tyrell says, nope, seriously, you only live four years. You're, the brightest candles burn out quickest. And I've tried everything. There's no way to make you live longer than four years. So, I mean, he kills his father, basically. So that's the Oedipal kind of symbolicism. Symbolism. 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 Symbology. Symbolism. Symbology is the other thing. Symbolism is what I'm talking about here. Symbolism is a thing. Symbology is kind of a weird thing. Yeah, he kills his father or he he kills God. Yes, exactly. He killed his creator. But um, just synopsing the plot, Deckard then, after that, finds him at this place, then, uh, you know, shoots the girlfriend. He, I thought does... we already synopsized the plot. Yeah, but we didn't get... JP just, never went I, to I the inter- third then, act. Then I interjected <laughs> with my little No, he didn't. He just kind of went, and the rest of it is him tracking down <laughs> replicants. <laughs> That's true. It's kind of true. Yeah, so I just want to make sure that we get to the end when we talk about the thing, because, okay, like, the beginning of this is very poignant, uh, because it sets up who the characters are, and the end of it's very poignant because it sets up what it's trying to say. The middle is just kind of like, hey, check out this uh, really uh, blurry, dizzy society that is uh, 2019. <laughs> seven years away, by the way, everybody. Um, no, 2019 is less than seven. Six years away, everybody. Need that. Maybe more like five if you count that. The, the middle of the movie is, is, has got more of a, a, a normal feel to it. Yeah, it, um, it's just driving, showing, expositing it, the environment, and 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 it's it's a you know a straightforward connect the dots, uh, CSI, you know, solve the crime kind of. Uh, I just feel like it's very what? important to say that the Roy character at the end, Decker and him have a showdown. Then he saves Decker. Then he dies on the rooftop. And then after that, Decker goes back to Rachel, and they run off together. That's mm-hmm. that's the end of the synopsis. I think those things are necessary to say before we start to dissect this movie. I think that's a pretty good yeah, synopsis. Yeah. Okay. okay, plot synopsis done, so we're going to move on to our next segment. Hey, 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 how do we like it? Not. <laughs> I wish I had my own private booth so I could do whatever the fuck I wanted He's <laughs> while eating. I recorded this. Like, bite my fingernails. Cause He's eating his hands. Sometimes And it helps. that is why everybody needs to, uh, you know, like, fucking donate to this podcast. Maybe I'll put a PayPal button on the website or something. Then eventually Make we can have Brady our own booth. Stop eating ben, and Brady can donate 200 bucks. We're going to build me a booth. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so not everybody has a booth, just Brady. His hands. No, just me. <laughs> there seems to be enough well, me and then you. in here. You'll be next. You know, like. Like, I'll lift myself up, and then I'll lift you up once I'm safe. I think that if you donate to and the you podcast, put Rob will just other. buy beer with it. Yeah, really. So. Don't I mean, give it to Rob. Give it to me directly. I please. already buy all the beer and or pizza and blah, blah, blah. Maybe we can blah. buy him some goddamn nail clippers. <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's I'm biting my nails, but let's move on to the hey, hey, hey. Don't talk with your mouth full. <laughs> So anyway, uh, this is the segment, Hey, 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 How Do We Like It? Uh, which is what you just heard uh, when I did... The, maybe I'll put the, uh, hey, 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 how do you like it? Back where I just said, hey, 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 or hey, here. Hey, hey, Whatever, I'll put that sound effect somewhere in here. Okay. And this is what that segment is. So let's go, Brady. How do you like this movie? Um, 
I, I liked it quite a bit, uh, but I'm actually going to pull a page from the Whiting playbook and say that... What? A, okay, A, let me say, it's already been said. Yeah, you have a playbook. You, you've got a playbook. Sweet. Yeah. You should show me this. I'll autograph it for you. Um, oh, Jesus. I'll autograph your own playbook. Um, so Rob was saying last week when we... Or no, no, the week that we watched Before Sunrise, two weeks ago... That, you know, sometimes a movie, especially in this case, I'll say that I was distracted a bit. This is not that kind of movie. And there were times it was hard to hear. Sometimes you need to just accept that a movie needs to age. So I don't want to give it the A yet, even though I fully accept that this might be an A-quality movie. But I just want to give it a little growth space. So I'm going to give it an A-. minus. But I liked it a lot. I really respected the vision of it. And... I still need to put wrap my head around what happened in the middle, like JP said, and it also doesn't help that you know, like, uh, there there was some chatter going on around me, including from my girlfriend. I'm sorry, honey. You, you don't need to Taz. wrap your head around uh, it. What what happened? I don't need to wrap it, my. It didn't mean anything. No, yeah, no, no, no. Okay, wrap my head around is the wrong way to put it because it's not about comprehending plot. I got the plot, but there are intricacies of uh, dialogue that I think mm. would probably color my opinion. So I'm yes. going to give it an A- minus until I see it again. But uh, Until you hear the dialogue, then you'll realize I'll just say this, it won't though, color anything. The opening is vivid, Rob. and I... the oh, Hey, wait for your own segment. I have a segment? <laughs> yeah, you do. It's the, called Rob being an asshole. No, it, it's That's called, hey, whole podcast. how do we like it? And we each talk <laughs> one at a time. But he always talks on my part. Um, That's the whole asshole. point of me having you here. Okay, anyway, uh, basically, I, I love the ending to this film. The entire baddie sequence alone at the end, should ju- would if I just saw that as a 15-minute uh, short film, it would justify me saying a film needs to be built around this. A film has been, and I really love the other parts, too. I still need to see it again to make my mind up, Fair. so I'll go A- minus for now. All right, um, so hey, 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 how did I like this? Um, this is a movie that I was just telling Jordan, hey, I was just telling Jordan, this is a movie that I really like. I like this movie a lot. And considering it has every single thing that I love about stuff, I should love it a lot more than I do. But instead of it being like a, oh my god, I love this movie, this is one of my favorite movies, I'm like, I really enjoy this movie. I like it a lot. It's not my favorite. Um, and the things that it does that I like, it does really well. Um, but I would say that it's, uh, you know, gets a gold star and a smiley face based on Brady's grade of a B minus. <laughs> B minus? What did you give it? You give it an A minus. You give it an A minus. Sorry. I mean, A minus. And what did you give I, it? I give it a gold star and a smiley face. And if you had to give it a letter grade. What? <laughs> if you had to give it a letter grade. Um. Oh boy. Our, our a. JP, how do you like this movie? Love it. That and Kung Pao Enter the Fist are my favorite <laughs> movies <laughs> of all time. See, this is why we need more of JP this on this podcast. That, this is the dude that, like, Showed me the Doctor Who Doctor. What about Man with the Iron <laughs> Fist? Um, that's a fun one. 
Yeah, it was fun. And gravity had that gap. <laughs> Indeed. Wow. Um, yeah. There was a scene in Gravity that reminded me of Barbarella. Oh, that's one you should do a, a podcast on. For ba, sure. Ba, 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 Barbarella. No, it's a it's it's a it's a great movie. I I couldn't give it a letter grade. It's simply one of the movies uh, that I I'll never be able to put down and will continue to rewatch over and over and over and over again, especially when I have insomnia. But you can't give it a letter grade? No, it's It'd too good. It'd be like for that. me giving Sin City a lever- letter grade. Like I could never do that. It's just I could do that. Yeah, I could do that too. Yeah, I'm I, sure you could, but like it's not that kind of movie to you then. It's not one of those movies that you just. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't think I'm qualified to to grade the movie. I think it's so good. I didn't really care to grade it. You but think it you're too me. biased? I see. I, I want to make JP too, but JP's a little more stubborn than Tess. And I think I think he'll just be like, "You want to fight, bro? I'll kick your ass before no, I you, grade this you, movie." If you turn to me at a later date and go, "You gave it an A," you know, I'd be like, "I don't." You remember made me doing that. Yeah. No. Like that's. Yeah. All right. I I really like this movie. I um I like more what it has to say, and uh, the the kind of issues that it dissects more than I like it as a movie. Uh, so mm. the movie itself and, and you know, its technique and its ability to exposit its plot, I would give a B minus. Y'all are haters. Damn, yo, that's harsh. Dude, B minus is fine. Like that's that'll get you into college. Which college? UCSD? Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, y'all. High five. Mutual high five for us all. Bam. (laughs) For those of you who didn't know, uh, me, Tess, and JP all went to UCSD. Except for Brady, who went to USC. And Loyola. Fucking brilliant bastard right here next to us. And you don't need to be brilliant to get into Loyola Marymount. You just need to be rich. It's true, but you had better grades than I did. You don't need you to be rich. You could have gone either. to UCSC with me, Brady. Your life would be so much different. I could have. God, it would have been. No, no, it was awesome. I, I you would have met your girlfriend a lot earlier. <laughs> I know. We might have broken up, though. How would have that gone? Jesus. You probably would have been a dick. Well, I mean, she probably still would have. You probably would have met her through me, which is what happened. I don't know. Let's uh, not discuss that's, hypotheticals that's, here, everyone. What about the movie, you guys? More what about, about this movie. Blade Runner? Oh, well, we just finished the segment, How Did We Like It? So now we're going to go on to uh, the uh, segment that Ben coined, which is called, uh, What Was That All About? Because I have yet to make up a sting for this segment. Right. Wait, so that we should all, we should all say that. Sweeper. Here, wait, I'll go next. What's it all about? What is it all about? JP, your turn. What's, what are we talking about? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, wh- Brady, what do you think this movie is about? Uh, well, okay. I think this movie is about, uh, obviously, this kind of tenuous idea, like in a society that has uh, robotics, that has an idea of a consciousness that's other than human, and using that as a jumping off point for the question of what life is mm. and what makes life worthwhile. And that is the reason that that ending scene is the best for me is that we get this kind of like if, if I have a complaint about the movie, it's that 
I'm actually, I'll say, not a Harrison Ford fan in quotations. If <laughs> fan means I think he's a good actor or really good at anything <laughs> other than being a good proxy for what he's plugged into. I love Han Solo, the character. I love Indiana Jones, the character. And Harrison Ford works with them. I didn't love Decker, the character. But somehow that worked in the end because he's so he seemed disconnected. And that worked because Batty is connected. Batty's the robot. Rob, hold on. You'll get your I was turn. just going to say he's not a lovable guy. He, well, he's not a, but it's more than that. He's a drunkard and completely dispassionate. And mm. so what makes that last scene work is that Batty wants to live and is dying. And he's trying to get Ford, who is human, to want to live, I felt Maybe. like. To be like, come on, come on. Like, shake a fucking leg. Like, you're a human. Like, mm. do you care about, like, living at all? And so I think it's about kind of this idea of, like, what is life? What is, yeah. like, real human consciousness? And, yeah, in the end, like, what makes something human, even if it's not uh, strictly a human being? So, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's, a, it's in a line, a good tradition of, Good questions about uh, can robots be human and what makes a human being? Maybe one of the first things to do that. Yeah, Tess, what do yeah, you think about, you know, maybe okay. what this is trying to dissect, what it is? What's what it all do about? I think this is all about? I think this is about a book called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? <laughs> um, and I think that this is uh, whenever you see a movie adaptation of one of Philip K. Dick's books, you end up grappling with questions that are not unlike the ones that this is asking. I think this is the first movie that you see of Philip K. Dick's books that really start to grapple with, like, what is it to be human? What is it to have religion? What is it to have beliefs? What is it to have memories? What is it to have pretty much anything that makes you human? Um, and the book itself i did want to take this moment to talk about the book a little bit um it has uh, a lot to do with religion in the book that it doesn't in the movie so much and one of my favorite things about the book it's cut out um in the movie which is that they all have this like strange religion where they all like sort of tune in to this guy that gets rocks thrown at him and everybody suffers um I don't know why that got cut off, cut out. Maybe because it's really strange. But all of Philip K. Dick's books kind of have to do with religion in some kind of strange way. Yeah, that probably got cut out because it just sounds like Philip K. Dick wanking and crying. But but all of his stories are. Um, I mean that. <laughs> they're all they're all his him like waxing philosophical about everything. Philip K. Dick, I'll pay you a thousand dollars to wank and cry at the same time, but um, in writing. Well, he would have spent it on drugs, but uh, he also would have written some really profound thoughts at the same time. Yeah, he always did so. write really profound thoughts. Um, and before he like started writing um, sci-fi, he wrote a lot of slice of life stuff, and it was all very sad nonsense about driving around Berkeley in a car and crying. <laughs> So kind of like the opening scene to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, right? I guess. Yeah, he would have gotten along really well with that guy. Why the weren't they Charles friends? Charles Kaufman. Guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have gotten on really well. All right, moving along to what JP thinks this film's all about. It's about being human and why you need to live and 
grab <laughs> the world and life and what you have left of it, if you have any left of it, by the horns and by shake it. <laughs> Very uh, nice. Well put. Well word, put. Word, word, word. I agree with all of you, actually. You grab that shit by the balls, you fly past the Coca-Cola sign, and you just fuck up some skin jobs. You just fuck them right the fuck up. <laughs> yes. Well... Uh, until Tess said that, I agreed with all of you. <laughs> I think that was probably so. what Brian's uh, <laughs> viewpoint on, on what life was all about. Well, I, or I trying like, to explain to Decker. I this like is Brady's take on on what is human. Actually, I I, I kind of viewed it more as uh, it, it was more reflexive instead of um, reflexive. <laughs> well, instead of it being. Um, you know, uh, do we have a buzzword? And for we mom? went to UC Santa Cruz and the film school. <laughs> uh, no, okay, what? wait, no. Let me just ask you for a second about the unicorn. Wait, wait hold on. Let, let Rob, let Rob finish his Rob thought. Finishes, we yeah. need to respect procedure. All right, procedure. Go ahead. I mean, we don't actually need to respect no, procedure. No, no, we yes, do, we, we do. fucking finish do. Finish your well, thought. If, I'm if, sorry. If only if fuck, we do. We do. If we want to keep because it otherwise happy. it won't be as entertaining. <laughs> it's please my finish. turn, Brady. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just gonna say please finish. Go ahead. Bob. Okay. Um. So I I I agree with Brady's point on that. It's about being um. You know what is human and defining human. However, I think it's more reflexive than that, which is. Uh, kind of taking the human condition and saying, okay, now what if everything that you are was faked and it was um, hmm. artificial? And and really that we as a human are not supposed to be in Decker's standpoint where we're hunting down the skin jobs and so forth and so forth, but we're supposed to be more in Rachel's viewpoint, which is hmm. the alternate viewpoint, which is um, you think you're human, but uh, you're not. It's all been faked. And how do you feel about that? Which I, I think that's what the, the Actually, film is more trying to get towards, as opposed to, you know, being, um, or, you know, what is human? Oh, well, okay, we know what human is. Human is what we more are. More human than human. Yeah. Um, that's their motto. So there's that. And then I think uh, another thing that Tess said, which is that the book entirely informs uh, this film. And actually, this this film doesn't really mean uh, as much on it on its own as it does informed by the short story or by the, the uh, film. It's a, it's a novel. Well, well, there's both, right? No, it's a novel. It's called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Okay. And it is a novel. All right. I thought there was a short story nope. somewhere in there, too. Okay, maybe I'm thinking there's of another a sh- There's K-Dick like film. the story about mercerism, which is the religion that they all follow. Oh, maybe that's it. Um, anyway, Do Androids Dream... Let, let's just take it in relation to and Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, then. I think the book really informs um, this film more, the, you know, uh, in order to kind of get to the base of what this film is actually about, um, you, you kind of need to be informed a little bit by the book, which is why I don't quite understand it, because I don't remember the book, even though I read it. Um, well, that's actually, you know, I do take exception with that interpretation. I do. Because, uh, well, I mean, it's not about me, but I'll say... I watched the film and I got something out of it, but it's more I argue against the idea that you need to have read the book to get any film. Well, I don't. No, you can get something out of this film. I just think you'll get less out of it than I don't if even you know. Like, because I, I mean, to me, like the book and the movie and this are like they're very separate entities. Um, I think it 
it informs you to have read the book mainly because you understand how uh in like i don't even want to say endangered how few animals there are like the the fact that there's this like underlying current of people just don't have animals in the movie like and that's something from the book that is very very distinct yeah things are dying life is precious it's the only thing in the book that i think like really really heavily informs the movie the rest of it is just kind of like separate it's a little bit unto itself in a lot of ways um and uh, just the idea that like Deckard might maybe be a replicant like is just as vague to me in the book as it is in the movie. And then JP also said that it's very much about uh, living life to the fullest. There was that comment about uh, the um, the brightest flames burn out quicker. Hmm. Uh, that you know these replicants are hyper real, hyper uh, intelligent, hyper um, strong. More human. I don't know if hyper strong means. Is something very strong, more stronger than a human. Extremely strong. They're, yes. they're magical beings. They're I, like demigods. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so there's that, and then there's the idea of, um, you know, Decker kind of wanting to distance himself from uh, his his profession, which is to hunt down these people, and leave them alone. Especially more and more as time goes on, because they say like, "Oh, now you got to kill that chick who split the the Tyrell Corporation," and he's like, "I want to." you know, elope with that chicken, run off and go right. go live four years of life. Which, I mean, it's kind of, like, provided that we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of is Decker a, a replicant or is Tyrell a replicant. Um, mm. But provided that we're not going to, say, posit either of those two things, that's kind of selfish, right? It's just kind of like, well, I'm going to go have a great time with this chick. She's going to die in four years, and then I'll have the rest of my life to live. But no, in a sense, though, if he's uh, going against their orders, he's taking uh, his own life into his hands by doing it. I mean, regardless, if she's a replicant, she's going to die in four years, right? Well, not if they split to another colony. Then they're totally legal, right? I mean, because I, I don't get yeah, the But I thought that was the fail-safe, like, regardless. Yeah, she's... all four he, years old. In a sense, you could even say he's willing to limit his life in a way, in the same way hers is, well, he's got a life after what she there dies. Is of her life with her. Well, the, 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 I mean, Edward James Old, Olmos' character says he, she's she's never going to live, and you know, who does? No one, no one ends up living forever or for any. You know, it's it's kind of nice that they they have a fixed point which they can look forward to, I suppose. But uh, no one ever really knows when they're going to get bumped off and in a world like that except for replicants except for replicants but in in, in even that, a replicant in this, might die crossing the street uh, two no, 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 right? no 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 there's 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 they have got voice activated crosswalks that go cross now cross now cross now so you won't get hit by cars in the future <laughs> wait <laughs> maybe wait. that's a bad you example could, but i mean can't can't the randomness of chance a you could be of death a by chance by yeah can't can't death by chance happen Stop to a replicant can it happen to a replicant the same way it can happen to a human being? I think it's less likely because they have faster reaction speeds and they're stronger and would probably survive a hit by a car. And or Look, all I'm saying is that him going off and eloping with some replicant who he knows isn't going to live more than four years is like going off with somebody who you know has terminal brain cancer. 
you're going to have a good fun time getting married to them and doing all whatever you want, but you know that you're going to have a life to live after they're done and that that person's going to be gone and that, you know, you're going to be able to get to do whatever the yeah, fuck yeah. you want later. You, you don't you have to grow old with them. You might want to reconsider the way that you phrased that. Yeah, but that doesn't seem selfish at all. That seems, that seems uh, terrible. Well, I'm just saying that Decker's <gasps> terrible because of that. No, okay. There's nothing terrible about that. And look, as what? far as my point goes, maybe I be, I'm being too rude about this. Like, I, I got the point I got was that life is finite no matter what time span you're given on your life. Mm. If we could be given the gift of someone telling us when we would die, we still might die earlier than that because who knows? And I, everyone and dies. And we still might There's be a bunch of assholes point. about it. It well, doesn't well, matter. Well, mostly what <laughs> I was saying was a joke, but the fact that I had to reiterate it so uh, strongly made it seem like I care more about that point than I actually do. It's four years. you got to get the most out of it as you can if you uh, are going to help somebody and replicate. On the replicant side. Do it. And yeah, why, why not? Go for it. You're you're doing her a favor. Okay. All right. Should we study under something? Oh yeah, let's take a little break and do our understudy. Be right back. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we've got two understudies, and to be honest. They're probably more famous anyway, so try to guess the actors, try to guess the movies, tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch. This game called Understudy is happening, happening, happening right now. Anything new? He's holding. No changes. What about the creature? It's got an outer layer of protein polysaccharides, a lot of amino acids for prolonged resistance to adverse environmental conditions. That enough for you? Plenty. What's it mean? Interesting combination of elements, making it one tough little son of a bitch. Is that why you let it in? I was following a direct order. Remember? While Dallas and Kane are off the ship, I am senior officer. Oh, yes. Of course. I forgot. You also forgot the science division's basic quarantine law. No, that I didn't forget. You just broke it. What would you have done with Kane? His only chance at staying alive was to get into that infirmary. By breaking quarantine procedure, you risk everyone's life. Oh, well, maybe I should have just let him die out there. Maybe I have jeopardized the rest of us, but it's a risk I'm willing to take. This is your official position as a science officer, not exactly out of the manual. The first position of science is the protection and betterment of human life. I take my responsibility as seriously as you do. You do your job, and I'll do mine. That was understudy. Tweet us your answer at C-A-R-N-Y couch. So, everybody, we're back from... uh from our understudy, which we just did, which was, that was fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, Tess had some things she wanted to talk about, like uh, unicorns and like fucking 3D photo scanny bitty blah 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 blah. Well, I did want to talk about the 3D photo thing, but according to JP, it's not actually a 3D photo. It's just um, him zooming in on the reflection that was in a smaller photograph. 
Yeah, it's no, like it a super in, enhanced two D photograph. No, he was zo- zoomed in on a on the on the mirror. The uh, it was a, a reference to the Arnolfini portrait by Jan Van Eyck. There you go. Um, but to me, when I watched it, I mean, and I don't know if this is like me going like not understanding what was happening there or what, but um, to me, it felt like a very very. Um, like sci-fi take on something that is not at all science fiction-y, which is just a standard, just you took a picture of something and there it is, and you see him constantly like thumbing through old photographs. and Yeah, it, it, that's it, something it feels, that really dates this it, yeah, film. Yeah, it dates it very, very considerably. And then you have that moment where, you know, he puts it in this machine and he's allowed to go like uh, move 20 degrees to the left, uh, rotate... 35 degrees clockwise and you know he's just doing that kind of shit to well, this I mean, like 2d picture and it makes it become to to my eyes at least like very very 3d and it almost well, with looks film, we like, could actually I'm, do that i'm I, i'm agreeing with jp here that like maybe it wasn't what it looked like to me which is that he's able to um interact with a 2d picture in a 3d landscape no, which just is probably in. not what was going on but to like me it felt that way so like it gave it this it gave this very very like dated technology this very modern look to me the fact that he's able to like plug this in and just tell this computer to look where he wants it to oh and he was also able to get an instantaneous printout mm-hmm. my smartphone can't do that yeah, yeah, but I mean, this is six years from now. We'll so probably be able to do that in six years. Ha! <laughs> 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 what, take a 35 millimeter slide and then zoom into the upper left hand quadrant and then enhance it and blah, blah, blah? I mean, it's just like a blur to gauze, blur to gauze sort of scenario. But I mean, in a world of smartphones with video cameras, like, we actually have 3D ability to navigate spaces. You well, know, we don't yeah, this need... <laughs> it wasn't 3D. It was just zooming in on a segment of a photograph. But it, that's what I'm saying. Is like When I was watching it, it felt like he had this ability to navigate a 2D picture in 3D. He didn't, No, perhaps, no, it's just but zooming. It, felt, it very much felt that way. All right, then. I mean, if something's 2D by its very nature, you can't look at it in 3D. What do you think the symbolism of unicorns are, is? Oh, well, he was dreaming. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, the unicorn came up like twice at least. I think, if anything, for me, it tied to the replicants. This, uh, I don't know, like kind of more human fear. than human. Like, yeah, a fear of something like greater than ourselves. Because I, I think you know, we find this human society that's designed something great, and you know, maybe that should be uh, a moment for jubilation that it's, you know, through its own industry, been able to design these human-like creatures that can think at even greater capacity. But, you know, the the reaction to that has been to banish them and to fear them and to hunt them down like dogs. More horse so, than horse. And uh, and we see that this Deckard character is very conflicted by this role he's had to play in executing them. And so he has this compassion for this, this hunted and uh, virtually extinct at this point creature. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just took it as as uh, the human capacity to kind of uh, exile and fear what's special. See, most people who watch this film, uh, they talk about the replicant question. Okay, well, is Decker actually a replicant? Right. Is uh, what's-his-face actually a replicant? 
But I mean, for me, for me, this film, Tyrell, very, very good, very good. Um, For me, this was actually like the question that I had about this film, especially when I watched it back in two thousand. Um, was uh, the unicorn question, actually, not the replicant question. And I've thought long and hard about the unicorn question for a number of years. And um, I think my final consensus on it is the unicorn is a mythical creature, much like humanity is mythical. Like, what is human? What makes a replicant less human than a human? Or what makes a human more human than a replicant? Uh, I mean, like, the morals and... Okay, well, they're hyper-violent. They're more prone to kill people, uh, blah, blah, blah. They don't have uh, the same moral compass that we do. I mean, our moral compass is arbitrary in the first place. So, I mean, the way I looked at it is like the unicorn is a representation of this mythical idea of uh, what a true creature is and uh, that it doesn't exist and neither does humanity or anything else. And a replicant is just as sacred as... A human, it just happens to only live four years. Puh. What didn't you understand? Just unicorns, because they're not... Unicorns are a mythical creature, just like humanity is mythical. Yeah. How is humanity mythical? They're real. Uh, but No, it's real. not. A unicorn it's not is any more... more horse than horse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I was just saying, like, more more horse than horse. But more horse it, than okay, horse. Okay, and what I'm saying is that Humanity is to uh, unicorn. But it, the a, unicorns are an idyllic image of uh, the replicants are to unicorns as humanity is to a horse. No, I agree with and, that interpretation. And what I'm saying is that humanity is the unicorns as replicants is to what uh, horses. Why? As replicants are to donkeys. Wait, <laughs> what I'm saying is <laughs> that humanity is as mythical as a unicorn. That the idea of being human oh, is no. total bullshit, just like the idea of a unicorn existing is total bullshit. But we're mm. all human beings in this room. Yeah, I know, but what does that mean? And why is that more valid than being a replicant? Uh, we're all unicorns. So, you, so you're saying that the, the kind of holy grail notion between human and robot of what makes someone, you know, what's true human thought, what's true compassionate thought, is kind of this uh, oasis thing. It's a thing. fantasy. I agree like that the... That it's a the, fabrication. It's a I fantasy. I agree that the um, unicorn questions what is real and what is not. I agree with that. I'm not sure what you mean by is humanity real. I'm just saying that... Okay. Uh, do humans... Uh, like, basically the whole plot of the film is Decker goes out and kills replicants because replicants can't be replicants anymore because... Uh, they're too dangerous, they're too violent, they're too scary, and they're not allowed here. And my whole thing is, well, what is allowed or what is human and what is, you know, the right thing is like a unicorn. It's like made up. It's just fucking in your head, man. I mean, see, I'm sort of with you, but I think it's more that uh, I feel like Dick's arguing that humanity is something a little more complex and shimmering and hard to place than just being a human being. Uh, and that, uh, you know, we human beings think of themselves as the only thing that can have humanity. And in that regard, they they have this ability to kind of hunt to extinction anything different from themselves. Because a unicorn is an extinct creature. It's something that doesn't actually exist. 
But we think of it as miraculous. Meaning made up creature, not extinct. Well, I don't know. I mean... That would be maybe the... That's actually a really good point. I mean, obviously we know that unicorns aren't real. Yeah, but the right. fact that you see one randomly in the middle of this movie, like... Twice. We see in a dream. One. Yeah, kind of makes you go, what? Why is there a unicorn? What is that? Like, uh, I'm just saying, why do humans that? have any more right to exist than replicants? Well, that, well the, the replicants are humans. The movie is trying to hammer home that, that the replicants are human. But they're not, because... Well, no, they are. Well, why are they yeah, being hunted they down, then? Because humans have a humans very pigeonholed God. view of what humanity is. And essentially, they them. It's a Frankenstein story. Yeah. Okay, so we're kind of Maybe we're living in a world of only horses, in a sense, because we hunt down anything that... We, we have a very segmented, very oh. narrow view of what humanity is. All right, yeah, no, that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Maybe you're saying it more articulately. And this shit is magical. Essentially, like, Let's get rid of it. Did you guys it. ever like read that short story? I think it's like who is it? Bukowski? It's like the man with the beautiful eyes and it's like there's this kind of like strange guy living on the edge of the woods and these normal people in a town basically like force him to leave because he's strange and it's sort of like yeah like this idea that humanity can't abide by miracles that they're scared by them that their idea of even what basic humanity is is so basic that it can't encompass anything uh, more miraculous than that. It, they don't like they don't like anything special. We're scared of what's special, and unicorns obviously are special. Wow. In the uh, in, in the, the the scrolling marquee at the start of the film, uh, it, it gives the reason why they're banned. There was a, an extremely violent mutiny in one of the mm. off-world colonies a lot of people got killed and then, mm. then after that there you know i, I think there's a, a law enacted most likely democratically that says that we don't want these humans that are stronger than us faster than us smarter than us to be running around with us because they have the potential to end us mm. a lot uh uh, a lot more efficiently than we can end ourselves. Don't want to play. No unicorns allowed, please. Game no over. Unicorns. No unicorns allowed. Well, I think that's wrapping everything up in a nice, neat little package. Do we want to take a break and do our, our rank it? Sure. And then we'll come back and decide what we're going to do next week. We'll yeah. Rank it. Rank it? All right. Let's uh, take a break and do our rank it. We'll be right back. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Bitch! Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Rank It! Bitch. Uh, welcome. Everybody else bowed out because they were like, dude, I can't do this, it's too much, it's too hard. Uh, I had a hard time. Brady was like done minutes ago. These guys are such wimps, man. It's just a list. You can always change it later. Well, I'm not a wimp. I did it, even though it was hard. No, I know, but I just don't let the hard... okay. Brady, what's your number seven? Okay, wh- what's wait. your number seven favorite sci-fi movie? Seven best. We're doing our seven best sci-fi movies of all time. Yes. 
because we did Blade Runner, one of the classic science fiction movies. We're doing our top seven sci-fi. Unfortunately, it doesn't make my list, but... Well... <laughs> anyway. It was my first time seeing it, so I need to let it digest before I can like even think about it. my ninth time seeing it, but anyway, go on. Wow, so it didn't make your list, hey? Nope. Crazy. It got a B- for me in the actual show. All right, all right. Remember... You know, no, I remember. Everybody else was like A, A minus. I was like, it's, it's a B minus as far as expositing its thing in the film. It, it's really like the dice. It's really the the things that it posits that makes it good, not it's putting together a good filmness. I mean, I, I agree in that. If not for that ending scene, I don't know what we'd have on our hands. Uh, but anyway, all right, going to my number seven. My number seven, I'm putting up there not just because I love it as a movie, but because I feel its actual ethos represents something that's good for sci-fi, which is you take a low budget, right? But you have a good idea and you have things to say, and sci-fi is good for that in that, like, it represents that spirit of taking a little money but like really coming up with something cool. I'm going with sci-fi is usually a lot of money. No, some of the some of the best sci-fi. Is uh, small directors when coming up? When you say up? small budget, what are you talking about? Well, how about like the... Like $10,000? How about the Romero uh, Dawn of the Dead films, for starters? How much? Dude, I don't have figures to give you, but they proceed... A lot of great sci-fi has always proceeded on a DIY ethic, right? A do-it-yourself ethic that isn't about having the most money... But it's about the sci-fi. It's about marrying this kind of B tradition to really rich ideas, and so I'm going with District Nine, which started as this cheap short that was made for just a shoestring budget about aliens coming to Johannesburg, South Africa, and just through making this 10-minute short, they got the eye of Peter Jackson and made a movie that like was totally under the radar. I saw the preview for it, and I was like, when I first saw the preview, I was like. Okay, uh, it could be decent. And then it ended up going on to get a Best Picture nomination. And basically it's about, yeah, like uh, th- this alien ship coming to South Africa. And it's less about alien invasion and more about the clash between another version of outsiders and a culture that had a history of being hostile to people uh, who were viewed as different within its own culture. And so, yeah, no, I, I love District 9. It uses its... Uh, modest effects budget to excellent effect. It's got social messages. It's an excellent action movie. And yeah, no, I, I just love that movie. I haven't seen it without falling asleep, so I can't comment. Oh, really? You got to see it. It's great. I, I've tried uh, maybe three times, but I keep falling asleep. Um, anyway, uh, my number seven is uh, Primer. I still need to see that. Primer's a great movie. Uh, it's made by an engineer who was bored with being an engineer. So he decided he'd try his hand at making a film. He makes a film about, ooh, guess what? A couple engineers um, who make an invention. They are not quite sure what it does. It turns out that it travels back in time. And it probably has what seems to me the most feasible time travel uh, possibility, like, ever. Like, it... If time travel were possible, it would probably happen like this. And uh, it gets really uh, convoluted. It creates a universe which folds in upon itself. Um, And if you really dissect it, it does 
make perfect sense, but it really because the paradox that's created by the universe of its uh, own kind. I, it's just like a mind fuck of a movie, and it's amazing, and so it's my number seven. All right. Uh, my number six, I'm going with the best representative from a series that I know means a huge deal to to our culture, to American culture, and to a lot of the world's culture, and which I also love. Like I, I really do love this series. I'm less on its trolley than a lot of people are, but you know what? Star Wars is great. Like, Star Wars is what Star Wars is, and you can't deny the power of The Empire Strikes Back, which I think has, like, by a large margin, you know, proportionally the best of the series moments. It's got the introduction of Yoda. It's got those great moments on Hoth. It's got Han uh, being encased in carbonite. It, in a lot of ways, like, I don't know if it really introduced this, but it really stands in for this idea where the second intro in a th- trilogy introduces a lot of the strife, ends with, like, not just a cliffhanger, but real So, wait, grief. which film are you talking about? Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back? Empire Strikes Back okay. is part of the Star Wars trilogy. Right, but which which film are you talking about as your number I'm six? I'm clearly talking about Empire Strikes Back because okay. I said it. I didn't, I which is a part of the so Star Wars trilogy. Okay, and I'm just making sure that I'm. Oh clear. well, okay. Now I wasn't listening. Now sex. I didn't hear you. Yeah, I didn't hear you say Empire Strikes Back. So I was like, oh, I thought he said Star Wars. No, yeah, it's it's Empire Strikes Back. My number six, like, no, it, it's a great movie. It's it's a wonderful sci-fi entry, and uh, you know, it represented it, it represents the absolute best of Star Wars, and Star Wars at its best is wonderful. So number six. My number six is, uh, I think it's 1958, 1956, I can't remember, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is, uh, I mean, it's kind of a hammy film. It's kind of a cheesy film, but it's something that's been redone again and again and again. And the reason it's been redone is because of the idea of, you know, taking a model of a person and having them just be a blank and just act how they're supposed to has been a thing uh, in science fiction. It, it basically represents a trope in science fiction that once that cat was out of that bag, um, science fiction never stopped reiterating it. It You just can't have science fiction nowadays without it. So, I mean, it's got to be my number six. Cool, man. No, I, I actually need to confess that I've never seen either of the Body Snatchers movies. Or are there two? Or there might be more at this point. There's two. I mean, I think there's three or four if you count really, like, you know, second run B movies. <laughs> right. That never saw the light <laughs> of day. But um, yeah. Okay, so number five, a- and this might come up later in the list too. I'm going with something that came up on an earlier list, uh, a list we did recently. This came up on our Robert Zemeckis list. But I could not leave Back to the Future off a list of the best sci-fi because this is like... I totally did. But anyway. This thing is such pure pleasure. Like, what is more pure pleasure than Marty McFly and Doc Brown in the first Back to the Future? Like, what what gives you... (laughs) You can... Yeah, no, no. It's so good, like... You could even forget it's a sci-fi. It, it can exist sci- uh, separate from that, but it is sci-fi. And you know what? I love sci-fi enough 
to give it this because, you know, what's a more goosebump inducing moment than George McFly raising up his fist and just socking Biff across the face? It's just a great, like, it's populism in the best sense of the term. Something that, like, it, it's popular because it is awesome to watch. Any, anyone can enjoy it. Uh, you know, I don't have any intellectual reasons for Back to the Future. It's just great. All right. My number five is a uh, a beautiful film that was um, well acted, well put together. It's, it's just a great movie. It's highly underrated. People rarely ever talk about it, but anybody who's ever seen it, if I mention it, they just go nuts about it and, and just like have a million things to say. And it's Gattaca. Because, I mean, um, as Anna as anachronistic as the style is, which is basically very 20s, 40s stylistically, um, and it's set in the future. But, I mean, like, it's, I don't know, it, it seems to fit. Like, the 2020s may very well be much like, hey there, Trixie, with the 1920s, and uh, the, hey, hey, uh, no, how's it going? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, Go ahead and, uh, you know, swap myself with a broken ladder and uh, go ahead and become a rocket man if I want to be. I mean, why not there? Um, no, it's a great movie. I, I think it's, like, nobody ever talks about this movie. I, uh, there might be a certain aspect of people don't want us to talk about this movie. Uh, it's a great movie. Like, every, if anybody hasn't seen Gattaca, go see Gattaca, because... I've never heard of anybody who's seen it and said that was shit. So, it's probably one of the best sci-fi movies there is. All right, all right. Well, okay. Before I get into my number four, yeah, four. Before you get into your number what? Before I get into my number four. Uh, before you get into your number of what? Four. Yeah, you talk about how you don't take your face away from the mic, but you just did it twice. I uh, I'm fine. <laughs> Why are you such a heckler, yo? Anyway, <laughs> Rob, just, Rob, Rob wants to heckle me so badly. <laughs> All right, okay. So, but uh, because this is going to become like kind of a, a theme, maybe with a few of my next sci-fi's, I want to say something that I really like about sci-fi, which is that you know. It takes our imagination to somewhere far off. It makes us think about kind of high concepts that we might not ordinarily encounter on Earth. But at the same time, the best of sci-fi is really grounded as far as themes go, as far as messages go, and really human desires and human worries. And what is more of a human worry than just the feeling of a child being overwhelmed by the adult world, a feeling that the adult world doesn't understand them? And so... That's why I cannot leave off uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, my number four. A movie that just, I don't know if there's a better movie that shows the way it feels to be a child surrounded by adults. And it kind of, without making a big show of it, brilliantly uses this idea of a child going through divorce who finds this alien in the woods. And just, I don't know, it's just a scene, it's, it's a movie with like, enough of a sly like intellectual quality to it but also it was very cinematic it's a movie of images we all remember the scene of et and uh oh god henry 
uh, biking across the moon and all that. And it's just, yeah, it, I think it's maybe Spielberg's best film, but I still haven't seen Jaws. But <laughs> of, of his films that I've seen, E.T.'s probably... Well, well, I still haven't seen Jaws, but... Anyway, yeah, yeah no, it, it's probably Spielberg's masterpiece of what I've seen. And yeah, it's it's just a wonderful sci-fi filled with wonder and terror. And that's what I appreciate for all the people, and they may be right lately, who say that Spielberg goes overly sentimental. This is a film that should be sentimental and does not skimp on the terror. So yeah, E.T. I was watching uh, this cool TV show called QI the other day. And uh, when I was watching that, everybody was handed uh, keyboards and or xylophones. Uh, Alan Davis got a xylophone because he's Alan Davis. But um, anyway, uh, I think it was Phil Jupitus played on the keyboard. Which brings me to my number four, which is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, there is no film that is more iconic in the terms of sci-fi, in terms of alien invasion, in terms of just like 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 alien brains than this. And therefore, it must be on my list. And uh, the way it got ranked with the other ones, um, number four. All right. So this one's my most risky because it's new. But as uh, Anton Ego and Ratatouille says, Sometimes we must stand up for the new, and I feel very strongly about this one. Uh, and it fits right in there with my idea of sci-fi being something at once huge and cosmic and crazy, but also very human. And in this case, I feel that that message is right there in the title, and it's Gravity. It's Alfonso Cuaron's movie from this year, Gravity. Oh, I left that off because I thought it was too new and I couldn't put it on the list yet. That's fair enough, but uh, you I know, thought, I thought things had to be on DVD at least to put on a list. Uh, that's fair, but but I'm putting it here. Uh, I love or Blu-ray, yeah, or VHS <laughs> or eight millimeter. <laughs> anyway, I love the way that this movie is completely focused on the actual environment and how subtle things about that environment combined with the script really add up to what the movie is about on a human scale, which is just about the decision of whether or not one wants to be alive or not, whether or not one wants to be on Earth, you know, surrounded by all that, the immensity of space and, and the terror of, a, you know, like space is a merciless place that basically is inhospitable to life. And so it's about a woman who's gone through a tragedy and also is going through a, a, a catastrophe Rob's throwing me off. A catastrophe as an astronaut and simultaneously trying to make her way back to Earth while also trying to decide for herself if she wants to be back on Earth, if she wants to be alive. And it's some of the most brilliant cinematography ever. And it all anchors this very human idea of uh, struggling with just the desire to survive. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's my favorite movie of this year so far. And I think it's a great sci-fi movie. My number three. My number three is Alien. Because Alien is awesome. I mean, come on. Do, you, do I have to bang you over the head with my cane in order for you to understand that Alien 
is one of the seminal pieces of work that allows for suspenseful filmmaking to be made? No, I don't. I just have to say it's my number three, and everybody goes, "Eh, fair play to Rob. And that's it. (laughs) All right, that's your number three. So now we're to my number two. Okay, um, you know what? I have to jump in here and say that I left off another recent list edition because it ap- appeared too recently. And I feel it has, you know, other things on its brain. I'm going to leave Wally off, even though Wally is one of the best movies of recent years. And I'm going to say that my number two is Ridley Scott's Alien. And uh, what can I say other than that? I think. You know, other than if you... I think it's up there with The Shining for the best horror film ever made. And the things I think of, not just the iconic scenes of the alien bursting out of the guy's chest, but one of the things I think of is at the end, after all the terror, when uh, Sigourney Weaver's Ripley is the only one alive, and she's put herself in the escape pod. And essentially, it's, it's the last moments of the film and it just goes for a full minute or two of her freaking out. And in any ordinary horror movie, any ordinary sci-fi movie, this would be the time where the alien would pop through the thing and try to grab at her at the last minute. And, you know, maybe she'd live, maybe she wouldn't. I mean, maybe she'd fight the thing off even. But what's great about this movie is that there is no alien. It never shows up. So it's a full minute or two just focused on the woman's terror. It's real focused psychological horror. And, and it doesn't resort to cheap thrills at all. So really? It, Alien? How could you rank that so highly? I mean, <laughs> I, didn't even rank, I didn't even rank that like above numbers. Oh, was, never mind. I rescind my uh, criticism. <laughs> anyway, that's my number two. All right. Well, my number two is a newer movie because we can't discount the new. And it's no. probably one of the best movies I have seen in the past ten years. Probably one of the best movie I've seen in the past five years. It's made by none other than uh, the Kooks' son, Zowie Bowie. It's called Moon, and it's amazing. I still haven't seen it. It's fucking amazing. That's all I have to say. All right, Moon with Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Although it doesn't really matter that it's Sam Rockwell. It could have been anybody. Oh, I hear he's great. I hear. I mean, he was great. But, I mean, anybody could have been just as... It's not like I'm going to go like, well, Sam Rockwell's role in that movie could have been played by no one else and no one could have done that part except for Sam Rockwell. He was just very good in the movie. Okay. All right, well... I like you, Sam, if you're listening. (laughs) Which you're not. Because we have literally fewer than tens of listeners. God damn it. If you scare Sam Rockwell away, I'm going to be so pissed. I'll make sure to tweet him this episode. I love that guy. Um, Okay. My number one... This should be no surprise. This, I don't know how you go with anything else as number one, other than Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. 
what better sci-fi movie is there ever? I mean, it was horrible. <laughs> I mean, other than the fact that it was horrible. Like, how can you not put it at number one? I don't know. I don't know how you could do that. Somehow I did. But anyway, finish. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob left it off his everything list. <laughs> but that's okay. Because Rob's a good guy. We'll forgive him in time. But no, no, I mean... In time or right now? When I say that my number one is 2001. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, <laughs> well go on. Well, no, you can go on. I don't really have anything to say about it. It's just like, it's it's truly a masterpiece. It's yeah, what, it's, that's a masterpiece. It, yes, that is what a masterpiece is. This is when the term masterpiece should be used. This is what everyone should strive for when they're making a sci-fi movie. Agreed. All right. Yeah, a movie about not only that I think ended up predicting quite ably. I'm glad that you, you didn't use masterpiece to describe any of your other picks, though. Uh, that was Wally, really nice. Wally and Alien are masterpieces, if you want me to say it. Well, now <sighs> you were doing so well. Wally and Alien are masterpieces. Sure, but I was just stoked on the fact that you haven't used that term three times in an episode, and now you just <laughs> used it like, four, like six times. <laughs> it applies. Fuck you. <laughs> I say that with vehement spit and bile in my throat. Fuck you for overusing the term masterpiece. Well, no, yeah. Uh, 2001. Beautiful movie. Predicted uh, a lot of our current technological advances. Explained ably why technology needed to exist to help us survive. And then, yeah, in the same breath, explains this fractious relationship, why technology might be our undoing. Well, that was our Rank It for this week. Back with the rest of the show. Rank it, bitch! All right, so uh, we're back from that little uh, zigzag jog to Rank It, and uh, we're going to go ahead and decide what we're going to do next week on Carnivorous Couch. I'm just infatuated with the way my voice makes the lines jump. I know you are. I've seen you do it. I think you should do Kung Pao into the Abyss and invite me again. I think that we should do something Christmassy. Christmas yet. Star Wars Scrooged. Scrooged is a good one. Bill Murray. I really like Scrooged. But in February, we should really watch um, Groundhog's Day, which is one of the best movies Oh, wait. I emailed myself a bunch of things that I thought of during the week that, uh, like comedies even. Oh, I actually really well. I'm gonna do this with Maddie anyway, but we're gonna watch Love Actually. So we'll tell you if it's not the worst romantic comedy ever made or not. Okay. Um, as uh, I I do want to say Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. Oh, Ooh, you, you I just really, get one. Pick one. I really want to watch that. Why do I just that? get one? No, no, no. Guys, I really want to watch Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure juxtaposed with the Bicycle Thieves. I really want to do this someday. I really, really want to do this someday. Because they're the same movie. (coughs) Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure (coughs) is based on Oh, and Kingpin and People vs. Larry Flint. 
But I want to I want to juxtapose those sometime. Neither right. of which have I seen, but those yeah, are but all Pee-wee comedies. Yeah, but Pee-wee doesn't need a spike, too. To yeah, no, Pee-wee doesn't no, need a, no. And Pee-wee doesn't have a son who he's shamed in front of at the but end. But it's... Like we like are we are we not saying Pee-wee that doesn't become a bicycle thief at the end of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I, I feel like Pee-wee's are they not, is it not based on it though? I feel oh, wait, like, does he? Well, he steals it from the. the is it not based on? From it? The, the I, I, I feel like studio. Pee-wee's Big Adventure is oh. almost Christmassy. What but it's having would, nothing to do with Christmas. Christmas. What, 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 what about it's a Die wonderful Hard. life with uh, oh Die Hard's a good one. Let's watch Die wait, Hard. Wait. It's not Christmas yet. God damn it. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're talking about movies that are almost Christmassy, but not really possibly watching Christmas. something for Christmas. No, 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 no. We're not going to watch anything for Christmas next week. What we're talking about right now is like watching a movie that's not specifically Christmas themed, but it's still Die Hard. Like Die Hard is one of those that is it's, it's not a Christmas movie. Oh, you fucking people. You're setting movie. the table against me already. Okay. And then Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure is in no way Christmas related, but it's a movie that you might see on Christmas. Buckaroo. Dude, like when we were at home on Thanksgiving, we all saw Independence Day on the TV, and we sat there and watched it for a really long. Oh time. yeah, I couldn't even understand why. But it Independence was great. Day is another one of those things that's just like a. It's just like one of those movies that they they have the rights to on all network TV stations. Yeah. And uh, they don't want anybody to be uh, working. The guy needs to take a good four-hour break to go home and have Thanksgiving dinner with his family. Yeah. So they put on a movie with, like, you know... Explosions. Easy to watch. Explosions. Easy to watch. And it's four Jeff hours Goldblum. long because they've already got all the commercials queued up in between. And the guy just, like, puts on a tape and goes home and then comes back. Yeah. So well, movies like that. Watch? Let's watch something fun. So wait, I like, I, I like Pee-wee's right, Big just, Adventure as a thing. I like Die Hard as a thing. Uh, Brady, what did you suggest? I hadn't suggested anything yet because we've just been screaming yeah. at the mics. Go. God damn it. I'm a fucking American. I want a Romanian abortion, and I'm entitled <gasps> to it. No. No. Four months, three weeks, two days. I've, I've suggested this three times. Sooner or later, I'm, I'm going to have to keep vetoing I, it because I'm I, not going to have another leopard. I constantly actually no, it's a really the leopard good movie. is a masterpiece um, and you're dumb. But um, four months, three weeks, and two. What, so any I good movie I, I suggest don't watch that is next now week. suspect. It's a very good movie, but I also I suggest don't watch it the next Iron week. Giant. Iron oh, Giant, yeah, that's good been suggested one. longer than four months, two weeks, and two days. Three weeks, two days. Thank you. Whatever the fuck. One day we'll watch the Iron Giant and I will have a JP, shit ton of shit JP, what would you come say. back for? Platoon. Oh uh, my god, I will watch Platoon. I would watch Platoon. However, I think uh, I think our, a couple of our other suggestions are better. Uh, would, would you come back for Die Hard? Oh yeah. Because I've never seen Die Hard all the way through. <gasps> there needs to be silence for a little bit. Oh yeah, go ahead and tweet us at Carney Couch if you hate me now. <laughs> Die Hard. <laughs> Wait, That's C A R N Y couch. Yeah, I think Die Hard needs to happen. How have you avoided it? We have to watch it for Christmas. Now we have I played the video game all the way through. We have to watch it for Christmas. Yeah, that's like saying I played E. T. the video game, but fuck that movie. I know. How look, we have to watch it for Christmas now. Okay, we'll watch it for Christmas. Thank you. So what are we doing next week? Yeah, it's not Christmas yet. Not the Brady suggestion is that Romanian abortion movie, which I don't want to get do your next Romanian week. abortion done before so Christmas. Iron, Iron Giant. Iron Giant. 
Platoon. Platoon you and me, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I love all of these choices, actually. You don't want to have your Romanian abortion done I on New Year's. Too. All right. Um, call Do evens you? or odds, stick out one or two. Wait, I call it? Call evens or odds, stick out one or two. Who calls evens or odds? Everyone at the same time. What? But then what does it matter what we You're throw? Okay, call evens or odds. Odds. What? Evens? Odds? I'm going to do evens. What do we do? We throw out one or two, and then the total is either even or odd. Okay. Okay. And then whoever okay. is wrong is out, and These then we'll do it again. Systems. What did I say? Even? Odd? He said odd, even, odd, even. even. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. Two plus two. What the fuck is that? That's three. <laughs> That's one, then. Um, uh, two, 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 three. So it's odd. So I'm in. Odd? I'm odd. Uh, yeah. JP and Brady, throw. Pick even or odd, Brady? Even. Okay, you're odd. Okay. Throw. Wait, oh, no, I didn't say it. One, two, three. That's odd. So, wait, what'd you pick? I picked even. Okay, so we're doing platoon. Oh. Really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. That means right. I have to then come back next week. <laughs> you can bargain your way out of this. Just say abortion. All right, so Just this is... Just say abortion. This is Rob Whitinger, sometimes as I'm called Robert Vincent, signing off for myself, Brady, Tess, and JP. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Platoon. Carnivorous couch, shit happens once a week It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob You don't want to have your Romanian abortion done on New Year's?